and welcome to the Stranger Times podcast. I am CK slash Queeve McDonald and it's launch week, baby. We made it. We made it. It's a very exciting week. I'm obviously recording this beforehand, but when you hear it, it will be launch week for Lovell Terrace Apart, which I'm very excited about. By the way, word of warning, just the, the launch week curse. Let's mention the curse. In case you didn't know this, when the first book, The Stranger Times, came out, uh, everyone was in lockdown, no bookshops were open anywhere in Britain and most of the world. Second book, when it came out, This Charming Man, bookshops were open, thankfully, great. But that was the week when there was very high winds in Britain. And basically the rail network of Britain, this sounds like it's a Stranger Times story I've made up, but I swear this is true. The rail network in Britain was pretty much brought to its knees by rogue trampolines. That's right. High winds, blowing people's trampolines out of their gardens, stopping trains was a very big thing. It was very 2020s. You know, that's the kind of that's the kind of decade we're in now. Just, you know, just accept the fact that at some point someone's going to get blinded by a unicorn and they're, they're on national television because that's the kind of that's the kind of times we're having these days. So my point is for this week, I believe in Britain, the forecast is incredibly again for high winds at a certain point, mainly in Scotland, because that's basically what happens for Britain. The Scots noticed that they get like ridiculous weather that would frankly be front page news everywhere in Britain. I say ridiculous. I mean, people in like parts of America go and that's barely that's barely snow, barely a wind. But Scotland basically gets all of this. If the Scottish weather happens anywhere south of Manchester, it's big news. If it happens south of Birmingham, the whole thing grinds to a halt as 24-hour news. All it is is there is snow in London. Somebody can't get to Costa Coffee. The the world has ended. So uh, my point is, this week, maybe stay at home, read a good book. That's my advice. I mean, obviously, if you come into the event in London, you'll be fine. Trust me, I've checked. That's fine. And Manchester's on Thursday as well. Do at the time of at the time of recording, by the way, London, I believe, is long since sold out. Sorry, Manchester. There hopefully is some. I think there should be some space available. It's all on the Waterstones website and Liverpool and Leeds. You've got updates on. They're both selling really well. We're very pleased with them. But there should still be space available in those two. You can get all of that stuff on the Waterstones website. By the way, if you're, if, I know it's a few more days. If you haven't ordered, the, you can pre-order the audiobook so it pops up straight in your feed, by the way, on Audible and other places. You can, by all means, do that right now. So you get it first thing Thursday morning. I think it comes in literally at midnight Wednesday, Thursday morning. Yeah, because I think it does. Also, the reviews start coming in because I'll remember somebody took the time and effort to stay up until when this charming man came out. This is true. A blogger. Stayed up until midnight, clearly, to be the first review of This Charming Man. And they then gave it, a book that thankfully got really good reviews, gave it a quite arsy review going, yeah, I've not read the first book, so I didn't understand what was going on in this. And this isn't the kind of book I normally read. It's like, okay, well, don't read it then. (laughs) It's like, anyway, I shouldn't, I shouldn't. I mean, obviously, we're delighted if anyone reads the book. Although, you know, maybe give it a bit of thought beforehand if you're going to make all the time and effort. Because I was really annoyed at myself because I genuinely... Because I think this, again, to take you... uh, To open the kimono, which is a horrible phrase, uh, but to look behind the curtain, which is at least less creepy. These books are obviously done through Penguin Random House. They publish books quite a lot. They know what they're doing. But when you do them yourselves, as you do with the bunny books... You do have to check everything because you're paranoid in case something's gone wrong. We've been generally pretty lucky. After the first couple of books, stuff always goes wrong. The frankly, thanks, you know what you're doing. But generally now we're a pretty well oiled machine. So as long as you don't get too cocky, things have generally been fine. Jinx, touch wood. 
but you do still like check at midnight to make sure the book's gone live as it should do when books are going live. So really annoyed at myself last year that I was lying in bed beside Wonderwife and I just checked my phone just after midnight to make sure the book was live as it should be, even though Penguin don't need me to check this stuff for them. But I did and saw that review. And I wasn't actually annoyed about the review so much. I was really annoyed with myself that I looked because like, oh, now I'm just thinking all night that this bloody reviews there and it's the first review up of the whole book there was since lots of other very nice reviews thankfully so you know I was fine by the way if you do get a chance stick an early review on it does make a lot of difference to authors you know uh, we, we appreciate it and yeah other than that thank you very much for enjoying the podcast the ratings and stuff have been really good it's lovely to see more and more people are finding it because I think as you know I really enjoy doing the short stories I love doing the previews and stuff and it's great that the third book's finally out and we'll have news on further books in later date at a later date and stuff. But um, for now, let's do uh, today's, which is the final preview that we're going to have for Love Will Tear Us Apart, featuring a character in some ways kind of the most interesting character in the book, just in the sense that he was supposed to be one chapter. I've talked about this before. Stanley Roker, the worst of the worst tabloid journalist. Yeah, he was supposed. He was in the first book for a chapter that I wrote the short story. The Devil You Know, I think it's called, that involved the stuff that happened to him. And then that kind of became part of the backstory of book two and he sort of got into book two. And he just ended up being... I tried hard with The Stranger Times to not go picking up characters because I think I've... I'm sure I've said this before in interviews. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but one of the things I've found about myself as an author is I write characters thinking they're going to be fulfilling a small role where they'll be in a chapter or two, sort of, you know, kind of moving the story along. Then I start enjoying that character and they sort of become part of the story and my books in a good way I hasten to add but it does feel at a certain point the image that was in my head was you know that scene in the Muppets take Manhattan when all the they're picking up all the Muppets and they're all in the car it does feel a little bit like my books could end up like that where there's all these people that I enjoy having and they're all in a big car together going on a journey because I just keep picking up hitchhikers and Stanley's one of my favourites. I mean, my most famous, uh, you know, the most infamous person that was supposed to be a minor character in my other books was the man himself, Buddy McGarry, who's the character I'll probably be most associated with throughout my career, I'm guessing. Wasn't supposed to be a big deal, but he just turned up in one leave. And to a lesser extent, Stanley Roker is another one of those that just turned up in one leave. And I, find, I think what I find really interesting about Stanley is he started off as irredeemable, and that was almost kind of the point of him. And then I had the short story idea and then it became about him getting his comeuppance. And then there's something about a character trying to redeem themselves, which I guess Bancroft is kind of doing away in his own way as well. That's certainly something that's going to be, let's just say that'll be a theme that will go through the books possibly as well. But yeah, Stanley trying to redeem himself. I don't know what it is about redemption stories that I seem to really enjoy writing them, but I clearly do. And yeah, so Stanley is obviously in this book, clearly, and uh, is a, is a big part of the story and this chapter basically doesn't give too much away which is why I'm using it as a preview but as I said everything's out on Thursday if you're coming to the event thank you very much we'll see you there if you do buying the book we really appreciate it oh yes the thing I should mention that I've I knew there was something important I was forgetting yes and when you hear this this Friday so Friday the 10th of February if you're listening to this at any time when it comes out we're having the online launch event if you go to Queen McDonald Facebook page or the YouTube, also the Stranger Times, Facebook will be on there as well. We'll be doing it there. It'll be 8pm GMT UK, whatever that time is, you know. So it'll be 
3 p.m. East Coast in America and on all the rest of that. It will also be available. Uh, we'll put it in the podcast feed. We'll have highlights of the launch event. Uh, I can confirm it'll be myself. Mark's day is going to be popping in. A uh, great author friend of mine whose film, by the way, is out now. I'm going to see it tonight. It's called The Unwelcome. Have I got that right? I'm going to have to, uh, let me just, uh, I'm going to have to check that live while I'm checking. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to, uh, do, 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 do. is it the unwelcome uh, writer? Uh, it's basically, it's because I was a consultant on it. Um, I say I was a consultant. That's really uh, very uh, unwelcome. Yes, it is. Right. That was some classic podcasting there. But yes, it's based in uh, the West of Ireland. And I read the script for him as basically an Irish person to give him any advice and it really there was no like it wasn't sort of take out the, the leprechauns and stuff. it wasn't that kind of thing they were bang on the one thing I think my one useful note was by the way on the unwelcome this is absolutely true is they'd a scene in a pub and I said take out the quiz machine we don't have them in pubs in Ireland because we don't like having machines in pubs in Ireland there's a story about my adopted granddad my best mate's granddad their pub their local pub in Cabra which is where the house bunny lives in by the way in the book is based on God rest them Granny and Grandad's house but yes their local pub they had a quiz machine or something put in because they don't have gambling machines in Ireland under law they don't have them around the place like they do in some parts of the world I think they do in Britain but they, yeah they do in Britain in certain places but they do uh, quiz machines were technically allowed I think they put one in and it makes all these noises sitting in the corner and all these old fellas drank in this pub and they didn't like it. So at one point the barman got distracted and they brought in a little trolley, unplugged it, put it in the thing, brought it outside and dumped it in the car park. And that got the message across that the patrons did not want the quiz machine. So they never had the quiz machine after that. So my note was they don't have that kind of machine in the um, in the pub. So I'm going to see that tonight with my friend Gary Delaney. Very excited. Don't normally like horror movies, if I'm honest. Bit of a wuss. But Gary's a big horror movie aficionado and apparently I get thanked in the credits. And while I don't like horror movies, I do like being thanked. So do get it. If you get a chance, go see that. So what was the point? Yes, Mark will be here on Friday doing the, the chat with me, asking some questions and just having some general things. Brendan McDonald, the voice of The Stranger Times, he's also going to be in just having a bit of a laugh, really. Do come along. It's always good fun. People really enjoy it. And... I promise after this, me trying to sell you stuff will decrease <laughs> because everything will be out when you've heard the message enough times now that I can feel like I've justifiably done my part. So listen, here is the wonderful Brendan McDonald, as always, reading the final preview for Love Will Tear Us Apart out Thursday in all good bookshops, some bad ones and Audible everywhere else, ebook, all that. And thank you very much. Take it away, Brendan. Chapter 4 Stanley Roker was uncomfortable. First off, he had been sitting slumped down in his van for several hours now and kept having to stretch out bits of himself to stop them from falling asleep. His ankle, while ostensibly healed from the break it sustained when he was dropped from a height by a quarter-faced magical bastard who still regularly visited him in his nightmares, still ached like a bugger if he used it too much or too little. He had not kept up with his physio. It being one of August's better days, the van was uncomfortably hot, all the more so given he couldn't roll down the windows because of his allergies. And then there was the fact that he was experiencing 
digestive discomfort, mainly in the form of heartburn, although he had spent the last hour wondering if there wasn't some sort of field toilet he could install in the van. An empty Snapple bottle, while an invaluable tool of the trade, could only do so much. All these factors were potential reasons for Stanley's discomfort, but while he tried to convince himself otherwise, they were not the root cause of his black mood. No. Stanley Roker was feeling uncomfortable because he was uncomfortable doing what he was doing. This was awkward because Stanley Roker was doing what Stanley Roker did best. He was slumped in his seat to avoid being seen by the owner of the silver BMW across the road. It was currently parked up outside of the offices of a production company co-owned by a major celebrity. A fixture of Saturday evening TV, somebody you would recognise. Even if you had never watched any of the shows, you'd have caught the adverts featuring him, his celebrity wife and their three darling children hawking the implicit promise that if Middle Englanders started doing their shopping at a certain supermarket, they, and their entire family, would somehow become as stunningly attractive and as blissfully happy as Mr. and Mrs. Celeb. Stanley was staking out the offices because he had it on good authority that at some point that morning, the aforementioned celebrity would nip out for a couple of hours and meet a man he had been seeing for several years. Of course, the days were long gone when outing someone as gay was considered news in its own right. People still wanted to know, of course they did. However, all but the most unreconstructed understood that you couldn't admit to, or worse still, act on that instinct. Luckily, that didn't matter in this case. There was a wronged woman in the picture, a man violating the sacred bonds of matrimony. The gay thing was just incidental. It wasn't, but the point was, everybody could pretend it was. This was a great story in the Stanley Roker meaning of the words. That is, it was going to be an enormous payday, and one he very much needed, given he owed serious money to some serious people who were seriously weird. Being in debt to a supernatural gangster was playing havoc with his sleep. The dreams were something else. Subconsciously, he rubbed his right shoulder at the sight of the tattoo that wasn't really a tattoo. The windfall from this job would clear his debt to ferry, and there would be enough left over to mean that he could stop sleeping in the van. It was therefore particularly inconvenient for Stanley Roker to be having his first ever crisis of conscience. It had been only a few months since the fateful night that had changed his life forever. Stanley was a victim, one who had been lucky to get away alive. However, he had become convinced that in the broader scheme of things, he was on the receiving end of his comeuppance for all the crappy things he'd done over the years. Karma was a bitch. These days, he spent a lot of time wondering if it was too late for his soul to be saved. Doing that while doing what he was doing right now was not a happy mix. 
His acute discomfort was replaced by alarm as the passenger door of his van opened and a slender woman of around 60, wearing a vintage burgundy coat, climbed in and slid onto the seat. Her hair was cut puckishly short and dyed a light shade of pink. Somehow, on her, it looked elegant. What the? Hello, Stanley. Who the hell are you? The woman offered a manicured hand. Alicia Harnforth. Delighted to make your acquaintance. Although, as I am the proprietor of the Stranger Times, you have technically worked for me already. No, I haven't. She raised an eyebrow. Come, come now, Stanley. She reached into the inside pocket of her immaculately tailored jacket and, between two fingers, withdrew from it a slip of newspaper. She held it up. This first-person account of a night when the writer was mugged and then offered help by a kindly nurse who took him back to her apartment when he refused to go to hospital, only for her to transform into a... what was it? She unfolded the article and scanned the text. Oh, yes. A terrifying, arachnid-like demonic being, intent on consuming her victim in every way imaginable. Very dramatic. That wasn't written by you, was it? It was anonymous, said Stanley rather feebly. From the public, she replied tucking the article back in her jacket. Thank you, by the way, for your assistance with that situation a couple of months ago. I appreciate it. Yeah, whatever. What are you doing here? Scratch that. How did you know where I was? Come to that. That door was locked. How did you open it? So many questions. In answer to at least some of them, she casually twirled the index finger of her left hand, and the empty sandwich wrappers, sweet packets, soft drink cans and miscellaneous detritus that formed a thick layer in the passenger side footwell rose in the air and casually floated into the empty donut box beside Stanley. Its lid then closed softly. There, she said. That's better. She looked round the van and tisked. Not that the whole thing couldn't do with a deep clean, or being set on fire for the insurance money. Stanley folded his arms, determined to appear unimpressed. Did you just come here to offer your valeting services? No, I've come here for two reasons. One, to help you, and two, to ask you to help me. Stanley nodded. I see. Bit of quid pro quo, is it? Actually, no, said Mrs. Harnforth. I know you desperately want to track down the thing that attacked you, to prove to your estranged wife that your version of events is true. In that regard, I can tell you the creature you're looking for is called a ballerig. As you've experienced, it's a nasty beast that, 
essentially works in a similar way to a black widow spider. If your wife had not interrupted you when she did, rest assured you would have experienced one of the most excruciating deaths imaginable. Unfortunately, ballerigs are masters of camouflage. The good news is, there may be a way of tracking this one. She reached into the other inside pocket of her jacket and produced a business card. This is the number of a gentleman called Jackie Rodriguez. It says here he's a painter and decorator. He is, she agreed, a fair to middling one. He is also the finest tracker I've ever seen. And let me guess, he'll help me if I help you. Mrs. Harnforth shook her head. No, he will help you because I have asked him to help you. You really are a terribly suspicious person, Stanley. I can't think why. He studied the card again, then met her gaze. So, what you want my help with? I find myself in the unusual position of needing to conduct an investigation. I mean, I have done many investigations of a sort, but none quite like this. I would like to avail of your particular expertise. And what expertise would that be? I need someone who can find things out and who is prepared to circumvent the law in order to do so. Someone with a finely honed ability to identify points of weakness and how to take advantage of them. In short, I need you to be you, Stanley. He sighed. <sighs> to be honest, I'm thoroughly sick of being me. Well then, here's the good news. You will do the kind of things you have been doing for quite some time now. But on this occasion... You'll be on the side of the angels. Does that side pay well? Mrs. Harnforth's laughter was soft and melodious. <laughs> it depends how you define it. Not to rush you, but I'm afraid we're up against it. So I need you to start on this right away. Stanley tapped the business card against his knee. Stanley? I'm thinking. I'm sure you are, said Mrs. Harnforth. But that wasn't my question. She pointed in the direction of a man exiting the office's opposite. I'm not the world's most avid TV watcher, but isn't that what's-his-name from that thing? Stanley looked at the man getting into the BMW down at the business card, and then back up again. That is none of your business. Thank you for listening to the Stranger Times podcast. If you've enjoyed it, then please leave a rating wherever you get your pods. It really does help. And the Stranger Times novel by C.K. McDonnell 
is out and is available from all good bookshops and some bad ones. And check out StrangerTimes.com for more weird news and to sign up to the newsletter, where you can also get yourself a sweet free ebook containing some Stranger Times short stories. This podcast is produced by Rob B at BEE, with Ed Wilson exec producing, and all materials are copyright McFrory Inc. Limited. All of the short stories are written by me, CK McDonald, and the music is done by Alan McGuire with John McCullough as musical Sven Galley. 